0: All right. So I've got 25 plus few minutes, and uh, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on myself. If you guys want to get to know me, check out our website, manupgodsway.org, or our Facebook page, uh, Man Up God's Way as well. Um, so, our first event, um, I've been dealing with Jeff for about three or four years. He and I met at a, a conference, and man, we were just like we were long lost brothers. And came along each other, and the next thing you know, here we are working together uh, over the last few years, and what an amazing ministry Cave Time uh, is, and uh, just what they're doing here. But this is our first event with women, so let me ask you guys, how many of you had to go home and repent last night? It, um, now we got a bunch of liars, so repent about that later. you got guys, you got single women, you got single men, you've got guys here, we've got a lot of problems with the eyes, True. If you got a pair of eyes and you got a pair of balls, you got a lust problem. Okay, we want, we want to start working with this. All right, we're going to work on this today pretty heavily. How many of you have a Bible? All right, or a phone of sorts. Open up to Second Peter chapter one. Open up to Second Peter chapter one. One of the biggest problems in I think right now in our nation right now is pornography. It is definitely the biggest problem in our churches. Everything from pastors to youth pastors to elders to deacons to just normal men are having a problem with internet pornography. When I was growing up, it was skin magazines, you know, Playboy, Penthouse, all of that kind of stuff. It wasn't the stuff that you see today. I spent about 10 years addicted to pornography and, uh... One of the things, as I I started reading the Bible, I got saved in 2003, and it changed my life, obviously. Uh, I was an atheist prior to that, so everything that I was trying to understand, I was trying to make myself believe because I'd spent so many years trying to disbelieve that there was even a God. So I fell in love with the Word, and as you start reading the Word of God, things in your life start working supernaturally. And for me, it was the lust of the eyes. Uh, I read the verse where Jesus says, even if you look upon a woman and lust, you have committed adultery. And that kind of blew my mind. It really took me to a place to go, okay, what do I need to do with this right now? I've got to figure something out. So I started reading the Bible. I started getting men to hold me accountable. And I started working through this process, learning to bounce my eyes, learning to put up barriers in my life on my iPhones, my iPads, my computers. I have accountability partners. I've got programs on my phone and my iPad and my computers. If I even click on something in a bikini, it sends my accountability partner, which one of them is my wife. The other are a couple of friends of mine uh, that will hold me accountable, an email saying, hey, Jody just checked out this website. So I'm putting these barriers up in my life. But it was because of the word of God that I realized that all of a sudden I needed to do something just a little bit different. In Second Peter, if you're claiming to be a Christian, you should look different than the rest of the world. True? All right. Most of us don't, unfortunately. I think there are a lot of people who have come forward, said a prayer, asked Jesus into their heart, gone back to their pews that are still going to go to hell. And that's in the church. We haven't even started with the lost world right now. Our church has really got a major, major problem of superficial Christianity. And I love what Peter writes here. Peter gives us really the characteristics or the virtues of a Christian person. These are the things that should be in your life and increasing so they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we have a lot of men, a lot of Christians in the church today that are useless, that are unfruitful in the true knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And for the number one reason is that they don't take time to read this. Period. How many guys here, can you turn the lights up just a little bit so I can see these guys, just a hair? How many of you read your Bible this week? How many of you read it every day? See the hands go down? Okay, so we've got a major problem with biblical illiteracy. People don't understand what the Word of God is, and so when you don't understand the Word of God, you're not living out the Word of God, and you're trying to live off what the pastor is preaching to you. And it's not his responsibility to grow you in the true knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's your responsibility. Let's look at our scripture this morning. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 5. Or excuse me, yeah, verse 5 is where we're going to start. It says, Now for this very reason, also applying all diligence. In your faith, supply moral excellence. And in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control. And in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness. And in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. For these qualities are, for th- for one who lacks these qualities, is blind or short-sighted. Having forgotten his purifications from his former sins, therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about uh, certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you. Therefore, I will always be ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them and have been established in the truth, which is present of you. So you look at what Peter's writing. He's writing to the church. And what he's trying to do is he's trying to show you that if you're claiming to be a Christian, if you're a believer, if you're following Jesus Christ, there's certain things, characteristics or virtues that should be in your life, and they should be growing at all times. Let's go back to the very beginning. It says, now for this very reason, applying all diligence. Now, the Christian walk is not something that you can just have faith in Jesus and then just sit. It doesn't work. You've got to be able to apply diligence. And this diligence here, there's three things that I always talk about. is reading your Bible, praying, and having a repentant lifestyle. Okay. Repentance is is one of these things that we have forgotten to do in the church because we're not reading our Bible, we're not praying. So when you're not reading your Bible, you don't understand what God's word is telling you. When you're not praying, you're not hearing what God should be telling you. And then when you're not repenting, you still have those sins in your life that are hindering you from listening to God. So there's something that you and I have to do. The NIV says a concerted effort. We should be applying something into our Christian walk not just sitting and trying to soak it in. So every day you need to wake up, read your Bible. Every single day. That's the only possible way that you're going to continue to grow in the graces of the true knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Reading your Bible. And then learning to have a prayer time. We did that this morning with the the cave time. That's really what that is. It's learning to have a prayerful life worshiping a God, glorifying God because of what I'm reading in the Bible and because of what I'm hearing back from and, and talking to Jesus through my prayer. And then a repentant life. The more that I read this, the more that God's going to convict me, the more that I should be walking away from the sins that are in my life and running toward God. That's what repentance is. Repentance is not waking up every day going, God, forgive me of the sin that I, create, that I committed yesterday. And then doing the same thing the next day and doing the same thing the next day. It is a, a the sanctific, sanctification process. We're getting better today. I'm better today in God's eyes than I was yesterday. And it's a process. But you've got to start with the word of God. That's the diligence or that's the effort that needs to be applied into your walk. So go to the next part. It says in your faith, supply moral excellence. How many of you have extremely strong faith? Man, every hand should go up. Bam! I've got extremely strong faith. But that's where we fail in the church. We don't have the faith, a strong faith. It's because we're not reading our Bible. It's because we're not praying. Because what happens when you start reading the Bible, you see the promises of God start coming to to truth in your life. And when they start coming to truth in your life, that builds your faith. The way that when I start getting sin out of my life, that builds my faith. So my faith should be increasing almost every single day. Are you going to get punched in the mouth a few times a week? Probably so. but your overall life should be that of upward mobility in your faith at all times. Look at the next part. So it goes into faith and faith into in supply moral excellence. What's moral excellence? Do you get where do you get your morals? okay you, you should get them from the Bible. But most of you aren't reading your Bible based on your own admission. So where are you getting your morals? Probably from your parents, probably from the schools, probably from work, probably from TV. All the wrong places to get your morals because those aren't excellent morals as Peter is talking about here. The more that I read my Bible, the more that I'm praying, the more that I'm repenting of my sins, my faith is being built and because of my faith, my morals become better. Man, that's when I start standing out. That's when I start, you know, stopping the things that I used to do. I quit cussing. I quit smoking. I quit drinking. I quit watching pornography. I learned to bounce my eyes when there's a bunch of women around. I start doing these things because I want my morals to be excellent based on what the Word of God says. So from the moral of excellence, it goes into knowledge. What's knowledge? Anybody? It's an interactive session. Knowledge understanding, okay, it's knowledge of God. The more that I read my Bible, the more that I pray, the more that sins come out of my life, my faith is increasing, my morals become more excellent, which means, guess what, I have less sin in my life because my morals are so high. All of a sudden, I'm opening myself up, I'm opening my heart, I'm opening my mind, I'm opening my eyes, I'm opening my ears to everything that God wants to be able to pour into me. That's the knowledge that we're looking for. God's going to place this knowledge in you as you're ready for it. When you come into the the faith, it's not something that all of a sudden, bam, you've got everything. It is the process that has to go along with it. That's why you have to apply diligence into your walk. It's not all of a sudden. So knowledge comes into me. I start understanding what the word of God says. How many of you don't read the Bible because you don't understand it? Nobody's going to admit that. But I hear it all the time, man, I just don't get it. It just doesn't make sense to me. It's because you're not diligent in it. It's going to work. It's kind of like exercise. I want to look like Clayton. I want my legs to be bigger, but uh, I want I want to look like Clayton. But it's not going to happen for me just wanting it. I've actually got to go to the gym, which I don't want to do, you know. I, I got I actually got to go to the gym. Where is he? Uh so I want to I, I want to look like that, but it apply. I've got to apply diligence to look like that. That's the same thing in our Christian walk. We have to apply diligence. God is going to give us more the more that we start seeking Him. So from knowledge it goes into self control. All right. Here's the here's where most men, most Christian men fail. Self control from what? Okay. Yourself, your flesh, your mind, your thoughts, your lust. Your pornography, all of that kind of stuff. Statistics state that 8 out of 10 men in the church are addicted to pornography or have at least viewed it this week. So 8 out of 10 of you guys have actually watched pornography this week before you came to this conference. Statistics show that. That's a problem. That's a a problem with lack of self-control. And as we try to build a wall for our daughters... Let me me tell you one thing. My daughter is here with me this week. She's 15 years old. And one thing that keeps me from pornography is to think that that's somebody's daughter that I'm looking at. That's somebody's daughter that I'm looking at. That's what I should be having in my mind. The way that I capture my thoughts is I view Jesus upon the cross. I picture that. Anytime that I want to be tempted to go to that place... Self-control. Self-control because I'm reading my Bible. I'm seeing my faith increase. All of a sudden, my morals become excellence. God is just pouring stuff into me. My knowledge is increasing. I then start having self-control because I know that God's got a better plan in my life than living in sin all the time. So I start having self-control. I learn to walk away from those sins. And again, guys, this is a process. It doesn't automatically happen. You have to take your time getting through that process. For a lot of us, man, it's I came in as an alcoholic, I came in as a, a smoker, drinking, doing drugs, all of that. And when I came into the faith, it wasn't automatic. God had to reveal these things to me. But man, if you've been a Christian or you claim to be a Christian, 5, 10, 15 years, these things should be going out of your life because you're doing this. Self-control and then perseverance because guess what's going to happen as you start growing closer to God? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? Attacks. Satan's going to come after you. The world's going to come after you. Your wife's going to come after you. Your kids are going to come after you. Your schoolmates are going to come after you. Perseverance. Perseverance is really getting through the struggle of the storm without failing. That's what you're trying to do. Do you get down? Yeah, you get down. But you don't allow Satan to take you to a place to where you don't need to be. Whether that's pornography, whether that's lusting, whether that's lying, stealing, business venture, whatever that is that's going to lead you to sin, my perseverance should show that I'm walking with God. Because I'm diligent starting every day, reading my Bible, praying, having a repentant lifestyle. My faith is getting, man, my faith is increasing. Self-control, your moral excellence, all of these things are increasing in you. And perseverance. And so then here is where the rubber meets the road. Godliness. Godliness. This is when the stuff that you're putting on the inside starts showing on the outside. People start looking at you going, man, man, Stats, they're different. They're weird. I hate them. My goal is to be hated. Honestly, my goal is to be hated by the world because I start looking like Jesus. Jesus said, You will be hated because of my name. And if th- nobody hates you, that means you don't look like Jesus. That's my goal. Not in a mean way, but man, when I start looking like Jesus, I start having this godliness in me. All of a sudden, people start noticing. And this is a lot of times where Christians stop. You, stop. you start doing weird things, and all of a sudden, you know, God's telling you to stop doing this. God's telling you to stop doing that. God, and then that looks weird, even in the church, when you start living above and beyond most people. But we have to keep moving. We have to increase in these things. After godliness, it goes into brotherly kindness. What is brotherly kindness? Is what? Kindness to your brother, okay? More specifically, kindness to your Christian brother, okay? Our kindness should start within the church, within our families, okay? That's where our kindness should be. Man, I tell you, to be honest, without the, the Holy Spirit in me, without me doing this kind of stuff, I could really care less about being here with you guys. Honestly, in the flesh, I'd rather be at home, spending time with my family, just enjoying myself and not traveling, speaking to a bunch of guys that most of you, I don't know. But because of the Holy Spirit living inside of me, increasing in me, my brotherly kindness has a desire and a love for all of you to share the good news, to share the gospel, to share growth with you. That's what brotherly kindness is. Brotherly kindness is when you've got that one guy in church that you're just so tired of, you just want... Please, just go to another church. Do something else. Get away from me. But that brotherly kindness, because you're diligent in all of these things and you're applying this into your life, you want to love on them even more. You go above and beyond to try to be there for them. And the last part here, from brotherly kindness to love. What kind of love do you think this is talking about? Okay, it is agape love, but it's more specific than that. It's the love of the lost. Why did Jesus come to this earth? To seek and save what? The lost. He loved the world so much what? That he gave his only son. God loved us so much that he wanted to give a sacrifice to the lost world. That love that Peter's talking about here is that kind of love. Because when you start doing this, you start adding these things into your life and you start increasing these, you start loving God those that do not know Jesus Christ. There are people in your lives that need to hear the gospel and you should love them so much that you, you want to share with them. But since we're not doing this, guess what? We don't care about them. And man, if we don't have the love of Jesus Christ, we ought to walk up to them right now and just tell them to go to hell because that's where they're going to go. If you don't share the love of God with them. You've got to have that kind of love. You've got to have that kind of increase to be able to share with those that do not know Jesus Christ. And then it goes on to say, for these qualities are yours and increasing. They render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Guys, are you useless? Are you unfruitful? You should be able to tell a Christian by what? How should we be able to tell a Christian? Okay, by their fruits no, the, the fruits are, are, are this, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and what? Self-control. As I am increasing all these, the fruits of the Spirit should come out of me, and it should be evident as all get out. I should not know any different from somebody. I should be able to see that in a Christian man's life or a Christian person's life, period. I also should be able to see the, the fruits of servitude, the fruits of discipleship, the fruits of evangelism, the fruits of love. But we don't see that in the church. Why? Because we're not diligent in trying to learn what God has in store for us. We have to be diligent about it, guys. I travel quite a bit speaking to men's groups. And one of the biggest problems that we have within the church itself is just learning to read the Bible. Learning to pray. Learning to have a repentant life. Learning and understanding what sin is. Peter goes on to say, therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. Let me ask you this question. Are you one of those guys that came forward, said a prayer and has gone back to your pew and just sat down? God wants you to make certain about your choosing and his calling in your life. Do you know that you know that you know that you are a child of God? Do you know that? Because if you claim to be a Christian and we can't see the evidence of your fruit, I would beg to differ that you know the same Jesus that I know. And some of you know. So I want to ask the question, do you truly know Jesus Christ? I'm not talking about just churchy Jesus Christ. I'm talking about in love, will do whatever it takes to share the gospel, to disciple, whoever, to get rid of my sin, that kind of love of Jesus Christ. Because if you don't, you could be one of the people that Jesus says, I knew you not. And when that day comes, it will be too late. So right now, I want to ask any guy in here, if you don't know Jesus Christ, I want you to run to this altar right now and proclaim his name. Proclaim his name. There's not, nothing magical about a prayer. There's nothing about magical about the walk. It is all about the faith, the belief that you have in Jesus Christ and proclaiming his name and start living this out on a daily basis. We've got to stop being lukewarm. Revelations 3.16 says, so because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Guys, we've got to stop playing church. and We've got to start loving Jesus. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, Lord, right now I just come to you and I just, I pray that if there's anybody here right now that does not know you or somebody who's been playing church Somebody who's not living the life that they should be living, Lord, that they will just be bold enough to say, Today is the day that I change my life. Today that I is the day that I turn back to you. Today that is the day that I stop playing around. Lord, and I learn to man up God's way. And all this I pray in Jesus' name. Guys, if there's anybody here that does not know Jesus, today is the day. Don't wait. Don't wait. Amen? Amen. All right. God bless you guys. Good luck, Jody.